0: Alabama presented a really aggressive case to really end the use of race in redistricting at all. And of course, if you know, look at the language of, of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, it is trying to protect the right to vote on account of race. So not using race at all when what you're trying to do is protect race and minority representation in states that have proven again and again that they will not do so on their own.
1: Welcome to Politics Is Everything. I'm Kara ong And I'm Kyle Condit. Joining us for this episode is Dave Daly. He's the author of rat Eft I can't say the real word, uh, Why Your Vote Doesn't Count, and Unrigged, How Americans are Battling Back to Save Democracy. His work has appeared in The New Yorker, New York Times, Atlantic, and Washington Post, among other publications. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave.
0: A real pleasure. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me.
1: So 10 years ago, the Roberts Court ended what many voting rights organizations viewed as the most effective part of the Voting Rights Act, that is preclearance. In 2021, the Roberts Court also made it very hard to use Section 2 to challenge racially discriminatory voting rules in Bronovich versus the Democratic National Committee. Legal scholars, voting rights, and racial justice advocates alike are expressing surprise at the Supreme Court's ruling on June 8th in Allen versus Milligan that upholds Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act and confirms its constitutionality. The court upheld a lower court's decision in this case to strike down an Alabama congressional map because it discriminated against Black voters in violation of Section 2 of the VRA. Dave, last year after the Supreme Court restored a congressional map that a lower federal court had ordered redrawn, because it diluted black voting power, you set out to drive many of the district lines that surgically divide Alabama by race. I wonder if you can start by just describing for our listeners what you saw to make real the role that racial discrimination played in the drawing of this Alabama map.
0: Sure. Um, I went down. I went down last last February and and drove much of this district. Um, Around the outside, and really, what you see when you get that up close is just how surgically these districts are 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 created um, when you drive through Birmingham, for example, and you see which black neighborhoods have been included in the one black opportunity district and which white districts were not um, when you drive through Montgomery, um, and when you see the sort of um, when you see the the suburbs of Montgomery with the Whole Foods that are included in the Republican districts, and then and then the district just outside um, where there is um, a racetrack that uh, figured prominently into a scandal in Alabama. Uh, a dozen years ago in which in which uh legislators were uh caught on tape using racial slurs um that the district is sort of right on the other line the history of alabama you know uh, tuskegee is 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 not far from montgomery um you know uh, home to uh those 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 terrible experiments, but also to, you know, uh, an important racial gerrymandering case uh, 45 years ago. And that sits right on the other side. So as you draw this district that of course also includes Selma, um, you see the 50 year history of racial discrimination in Alabama and how it has continued post voting rights. Act, um, and so, um, it it was really uh, good news to see that the court, um, you know, recognized what had happened here and um, insisted on a remedy.
2: I think a lot of the conversation, the immediate aftermath, of this ruling is, okay, so um, this probably means that there's going to be a second district that's probably, I think, going to be a Black majority district. Although I guess my understanding is it doesn't have to be necessarily. Um, but the, the way this works is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that the, you know, the uh, um, Basically black voters are, you know, cohesive group in this particular part of the state and they need to be given sort of the right to pick someone of their choice. That doesn't necessarily mean black voters have to be a majority in the district. Um, But so so, you know, realistically, that means there's probably going to be there's one Democratic district in in Alabama. Now there's probably going to be two um, whenever this map is redrawn in advance of 2024. Um, There's been a lot of sort of discussion of like, what are the ripple effects of this? Like, you know, what what are similar kinds of cases maybe in the pipeline or maybe could be in the pipeline? Um, you know, what, what other states do you think this, this ruling might have, uh, impacts on?
0: No, it's a great question. Um, and I think immediately we'll look at Louisiana and Georgia where there's been similar litigation, uh, not exactly the same, but, uh, certainly what you saw in Louisiana last year was that you had a lower court that said you ought to draw a second district and the court, uh, stayed. That um, and there was um, a similar case in in, in Georgia uh, where a judge said, "Well, I think that you ought to draw a second opportunity district here, but because of what the court did in Alabama, I'm 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 not going to order it." So I would imagine uh, that you will see um, those cases verbal um, to the uh, top of the pipeline. Pretty quick. Um, I think Texas um, is probably the case, probably the state where the action would arrive right after that. Um, uh, thinking not about um, uh, black opportunity to, to, uh, districts, but about a couple of Latino opportunity districts there. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking at this through the lens of um, you know 2024 and um, uh, you know and how the battle for the House plays out uh you could see depending of course on how long this litigation uh takes uh section two litigation um as opposed to section five litigation uh takes you know a whole lot longer um uh but you could be looking at you know six or seven seats uh that could be uh you know picked up by black democrats um on the other side of that of course would be the decision in north carolina uh and the probably impending redraw i would i would I would guess in a state that I know it means a lot to, uh, Kyle of, uh, of Ohio. Um, uh, so my guess would be that this probably comes out in the wash on the partisan side, but of course w- we see Democrats are up to some, uh, business in New York again. Uh, so, uh, we could be looking at, you know, very different maps in a number of states as we head into 2024.
2: You know, one state you didn't mention that I think is, has also been sort of in, in the news for this is South Carolina. Now, that those that the that map was also um, uh, the a court ruled against that map, but a different rationale than in Alabama, right? So it's not directly impacted here.
0: I think it would be difficult to draw a second district in South Carolina that is compact. Um, and really, what the court is talking about here, uh, not to get too wrapped up in the legalisms of it, but um, there's there's um, a test known as the uh, Gingles test, uh, which arrives out of 86 litigation that sort of interprets what uh, uh, Congress did in the Voting Rights Act in 1982, uh, when it um, uh, changed the uh, statute um, of Section 2 um, from what had been... Um, an intent test to an effects test. Um, if you wanted to uh, make a section two claim, you had to show that there was, was discriminatory intent um, effectively. And there was another case for, from Alabama in the early eighties, Mobile versus Bolden that, it really narrowed this down. Um, and when uh, Congress went to reauthorize the VRA in 1982, um, it addressed the Mobile case by changing the, the language of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act and saying, if you show a discriminatory effect, um, that that is enough to to bring action. Uh, what, of course, is so interesting about this is that it was a, a very young John Roberts. Uh, at His very first job in Washington, 26-year-old aide in the Civil Rights Department, um, of the Justice Department, who was fighting very hard against uh, this change that he upheld yesterday.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. That was one of the points I I wanted to make is that he was the point person for the Reagan administration um, in trying to prevent the expansion of uh, uh, of Section Two under the VRA in 1982. And there was also a compromise that year, uh, you know, in the fight between Congress and the administration that um, ended up being brokered by Senator Bob Dole. Um, that included letting minority voters elect representatives of their choice, but it still did, you know, the, the trade-off was that it wouldn't um, guarantee proportional representation. I also wanted to bring up, um, you know, Justice Kavanaugh wrote a separate opinion from the majority in this case. Um, you know, so I I, I, I want to talk with you more about, like, you know, I one, I don't think this is necessarily a major change in thinking on behalf of Justice Roberts. Um, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of um, uh, experts like uh, Richard Haysen um, at UC Irvine and, and other scholars who are saying, you know, this is sort of the institutionalist in Roberts coming out um, and not necessarily a change in, 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 of heart. Um, and then on the other hand, Justice Kavanaugh, who sided with the majority in this case, you know, his um, his separate writing sort of indicates that they could, that the plaintiffs could come back. Um, and for for a different ruling. So, you know, what is your thinking on this? And is this really as much of a um, victory for voting rights? I mean, it's clearly not an expansion of voting rights. It's just sort of tapping the brakes on the way in which the VRA has been gutted over the last decade.
0: This decision is certainly good news. It's welcome news, but I think it's far from a victory for Voting Rights Act or voting rights in general. Um, and I think you're right. Um, I think that what we've seen out of the court's jurisprudence over the course of the last dozen years, and I'd go back to, you know, the Indiana the voter ID case, and I'd include citizens United in this all the way through of course, Northwest Austin and Shelby, um, yeah. as you mentioned, I'd, I'd include Rucho versus common cause mm-hmm. Um the the partisan gerrymandering case that effectively closed the the courts, federal courts, to uh, these cases. Um, and the last you know decade plus, this court has really been a wrecking crew to to voting rights. Um, and in the Shelby County case in in 2013, the chief justice effectively ended preclearance because he said things had changed in the South. Um, Well, what we saw here, right, is that Alabama is still very much trying to pass and is, in fact, enacting um, racially discriminatory maps Um, a decade after the chief justice assured us that things had changed in the South and preclearance was no longer necessary. Um, Had preclearance still been in effect? The government would have had to have approved this map before it had gone into effect. Um, They would have looked at it in the spring of 2021 and likely disapproved it for the reasons that the court uh, found yesterday. Um, And in that case, Alabama would not have had an election in 2022 on a racially discriminatory map. Um, And perhaps other states would not have either. So. I think that the damage that this court has done over the past dozen years we're still living with in really significant ways every day. Um and as we look forward, I think you're right to highlight that line from the Kavanaugh concurrence which I think is is really distressing um what Judge Kavanaugh wrote uh is 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 that um there could be um, um, a, a time limit to how long the court would consider, um, uh, drawing minority opportunity districts. Um, uh, but that because Alabama did not raise that argument in, in their, in their brief or, uh, that the court would not consider it, but that reads to me like an invitation For future plaintiffs to bring a case that says, effectively, just as the court did in Shelby County, that, well, if you said things have changed on Section 5 10 years ago, why haven't things changed on Section 2 now? And that Justice Kavanaugh could conceivably be persuaded by that. Now, the internal inconsistencies there, of course, of how one could be persuaded by that when right now we're still seeing these maps being drawn and passed by white legislatures across the South, um, you know, um, is, is, is difficult to understand, but that line is there.
2: There was some commentary, you, you sort of, you sort of touched on this, but th- that some commentary after this decision that basically Alabama just went too far in its arguments and therefore Kavanaugh couldn't go there, but maybe he could decide along the lines that you're suggesting Later on, is that is that a fair read? You think? Yeah, I think it.
0: I think it is. I think Alabama really. Alabama went for a home run. I mean, Alabama really tried to get the court to over overturn effectively um, what precedents remained uh, protecting voting rights, um, and they did so for a reason, right? They did so because. They looked at what the court has done over the last dozen years, and they said maybe this court is ready to go there. Um, and they looked at what really was an invitation from the chief justice um, in many ways when he stayed the Alabama map, and he was on the side of those who would have um, upheld the lower court decision he,
2: uh,
0: um, originally um, and and forced a new map, uh, but he wrote. In a really interesting way, um that he thought that the lower court uh, had correctly applied existing law. And I think a lot of us looked at that and said, existing law in this moment, what they're thinking about is perhaps uh, changing that law." Um, and Alabama presented a really aggressive case uh, to really end the use of race in in redistricting at all. And of course, if you, you know, look at the language of uh, of Section two of the Voting Rights Act, uh, it is it is it is trying to protect the right to vote on account of race. Um, So not using race at all when what you're trying to do is protect race um, uh, and minority representation in states that have proven again and again that they will not do so on their own. Uh, You know, I don't see how really you can do that. but this is a court that, again and again in these decisions, has been willing to effectively make up the law uh, and to change the law in these rulings. Uh, if you look back at Shelby County, right? I mean, um, Justice Roberts, when he wrote that decision, he set, he finds um, and grounds it in this notion of equal sovereignty among the states, uh, something that simply doesn't. Exist. It doesn't exist in the Constitution. You can find that when uh, talking about the entrances of states into the Union, but that's it. I mean, uh, conservative jurist Richard Posner looked at that and said he just made this decision up out of out of nowhere. When you look at the Bernovich decision, right, um, uh, Justice Alito writes um, effectively creates a new three-prong test uh, that says anything that was going on in 1982 is is fine. I mean, that's not in the text. That's not in the statute. So Alabama went for a home run. Um, but this court hadn't given them any reason to suggest that they weren't open uh, to, you know, toss in a,
2: a, a softball over the plate for uh, the state of Alabama to hammer uh, either. case that a lot of people have been focusing on from this court in this realm has been this Moore v. Harper case, which we don't have a decision on yet. And it's also... Still unclear that whether the court will even issue a decision um, in it because of the fact that, you know, it deals with the redistricting in North Carolina, the state Supreme Court there, then Democratic controlled you know, imposed the new congressional map last cycle. That map is now not going to be used this time. And and, um, the, the new Republican controlled state Supreme Court there said that, you know, basically went back on that decision. So, you know. I mean, I guess Moore v. Harper could come out at any time or maybe not come out. Like what would, would any 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 thoughts on that particular case right now?
0: Uh, boy, I mean, it's it's a great question. I um, and there's the affirmative action cases that could come out next oh, week yeah. as well. Uh, so so that there's certainly a lot, a lot left before this court. Um, Moore v. Harper, certainly, as you said, uh it appears that the court could duck that question if it wants to, by simply saying that uh, the argument is moot because um, the North Carolina, state Supreme court went back um, under, under new, under new Republican management, the, uh, uh, the court, uh, uh, changed the decision from a year ago and they'll, they'll have a new map there so if the court does not want to jump in here they don't have to on the other hand this notion of the independence day legislative doctrine isn't going away um and as we get closer to the 2024 election um the court may decide that it wants to weigh in and offer some guidance on this now um and uh, you know certainly I mean, I'm certainly worried about what this court might say, but I would be just as nervous about what this court might say if they're forced to rule on this in December of 2024 or January of 2025 after state legislatures in Georgia or Wisconsin or Arizona go ahead and... um, do something with regards to certification of elections or allocation of electors, uh, um, as nervous as I think we should be about the decision that could come down, um, it would probably be good if we knew the rules ahead of time.
1: So, Kyle, Dave, Dave has kind of touched on what it might mean for uh, some of the other ongoing lawsuits in, in other states. But I'm wondering how you're thinking about. Um, what the roadmap might look like um, in states with Republican majorities, especially in the in the Southeast. Um, Democrats are just five seats short of a majority in the House of Representatives. And I'm wondering how you're thinking about how the ruling might impact the 2024 elections and control of the House.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we do our House ratings and we did something that I don't think I've ever done before, which is we listed a we 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 moved that one of the uh there in Alabama has six safe Republican seats and one safe Democratic seat. So what we did in our ratings was is we basically assumed that one Democrat one Republican seat would go Democratic. So we put it Alabama with a question mark, uh a new seat in our likely Democratic column. So that changed the math slightly in our sort of overall house tallies. We didn't change any of the other ratings in other states based on this decision because we don't actually know what's going to happen. Like, like as Dave was saying, like Louisiana. Um, might be a state where, you know, the Democrats could hypothetically get a new seat there if, if there was a, a second kind of black opportunity seat created, maybe Georgia, maybe some other states. But those states are not as far as far down the line as Alabama is in terms of we just had the actual U.S. Supreme Court weigh in on this. Whereas, you know, that, 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 that case may have ripple effects on these other states. Um, Dave also mentioned, you know, there's this ongoing battle in New York State as to basically Democrats like are really trying to figure out a way that they can effectively try to like revive their gerrymander in that state. Um, and it, it also makes me wonder, like, you know, Dave, I'm, you're, you're, I'm sure you're very familiar. You know, you remember this, Kara, too. Like, like, you know, we while, we while maps often change throughout a decade, the last time we really had, like, elective, like, legislatures going back and redrawing the maps was um, famously Texas in 2003. Georgia did that at that same time. Colorado tried to, but their state legislature or their, their uh, state court said they couldn't do it. But like, I just wonder if if we're gonna like, what if the Democrats like do well throughout all of this? Like, could like in Indiana or a Missouri or a Kentucky that arguably could have gerrymandered harder than they did, would they be pressured to go back to try to fetch some new seats? Like, Dave, I'd be curious. What do you think of that argument? I mean, I know some states do prohibit mid-decade redistricting. Federal, there's no federal prohibition on it. But you know, I mean, there's there's always this redistricting arms race you could argue, well, there should be just some sort of federal solution to that, but there isn't right now. So um, what, what, what do you think about that?
0: Well, I think that Morphe Harper plays a role here too, right? I mean, some of these states that might currently ban that, uh, could the legislature simply uh, simply change it because you know they could pass a law um, or the state Supreme Court would not have that review power anymore? Um, I don't think Republicans have left much on the table. Uh they could go after Louisville, certainly. Um, I think they went I think they picked up a lot of the low-hanging fruit last time that was still left to them. Uh in Tennessee, um Indiana, Utah, Oklahoma, a lot of those districts that went in 2018, um uh, Salt Lake, Oklahoma City, uh aren't there for the Democrats. Anymore. Um, the Democrats that pushed it in New Mexico, they pushed it in Nevada, they pushed it in Oregon. Um, there's there's New York, I think, is the big prize. Um, and that was the place where Democrats tried to push it and, and the state court stopped them. Um, and that too is 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 an interesting uh, test of Moore v Harper, right? I mean, if 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 suddenly The state court can't do that. New York's legislature is going to be free to, you know, go hog wild. And they showed us the last time they were trying to do what, 25 to three or something outrageous like that.
2: Yeah, about that. Um,
0: You know, um, and then you have the question, uh, I mean, if if they go for it on Morby Harper, suddenly you're going to see a lot of legislation challenging, I'm sorry, litigation uh, challenging the use of independent redistricting. Uh, so suddenly what does that do to California? What does that do to Michigan? What does that do to Arizona? <laughs> um, um, this could get really interesting, really fast.
1: Yeah, I was actually, I'm glad you brought up California because in, in addition to New York, um, it seems like California is also sort of going to be targeted next year as well.
2: You know, and they have a, they have a, a you know, a commission system in California. Um, and to, to Dave's point, like if those commissions just all went away, like hypothetically, like a few years ago, the, the court almost really ruled, ruled against Arizona's commission. I mean, that was a five. I think that was a five four decision. I think Roberts was actually on the other side of that decision. Um, but that actually, like on balance, it would actually help Democrats probably because a lot of the, the states that have those commissions, California being the most important and the biggest, um, are you know kind of Democratic leaning um, places. But uh, um, well, I think that I think that covers it, um, Dave. We really appreciate your time today.
0: A pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much. Hi, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Politics is Everything. Editing and production was done by me, Kara Ong-Whaley. Our theme song is Let's Boogie by Chris Faes. You can learn more about the Center for Politics and its work to strengthen democracy on our website at centerforpolitics.org. You can also engage with us on social media at Center Number 4 Politics. We welcome your suggestions and questions for a future episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.
0: This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.